That's right. Praise the Lord. Anyway, I got a message for you this morning. I just I was listening uh, to the Lord this week, and it was just it was amazing. Matter of fact, I've got so much. I'm just I'm not probably not going to get to it all, but um, the things. The title of my message this morning is "Silencing the Enemy," and um, uh, I I was challenged with some different thoughts and some different scriptures this week, and sought the Lord and went back and just kind of putting things just together. But how many know Jesus? Uh, how many are born again, saved? I mean, know that Jesus didn't give us power and authority to just wait for the rapture. To sit around and wait for the rapture. And uh, I like that song that he just sang, Awakening. Uh, uh, little Levi Schneider says that that's his favorite song. He's four years old, okay? But he said that's his favorite song. Now let me ask you something. Can a four-year-old prophesy? I know, you're going to have to ask Samuel. That's not a joke. I mean, that's, not, <laughs> that's not the punchline, but uh, Samuel was, you know, about around that same age and God was speaking to him. But I, I'm, we're, I'm believing for an awakening in our city. Yeah. Key West, Florida, I'll tell you what, that would be, that would be tremendous, wouldn't it? I mean, this is going to be great, uh, but have an awakening, a spiritual awakening in this town. Amen. Uh, I don't know if it's ever had one. I've studied the history and tried to look for one. Praise the Lord. We did have a couple of events and different things in the history of Key West, but uh, God is still on the throne and is outpouring. So, But Jesus d didn't give us the power to sit around, power and authority. I'm going to take, talk about those two things this morning, the power and authority of Christ, what it means, and, and share some other scriptures for you. But he didn't give us that so we could sit around and just wait for the rapture. Now, I came out of religion all my life. I was in religion, but came out of religion. And this is the one thing. Well, what are we supposed to do about our Christianity? Well, we're just supposed to sit around and wait for Jesus to come and get us. We do the best we can. We stay out of sin, and we just wait for Jesus to come and get us. Because that's all there is to it. Well, then that would go directly against the two scriptures that right off the bat that I can think of off the top of my head is the Great, great Commission, Matthew chapter 28 and, Matthew, and Mark chapter 16. It would go totally against that because that's not what Jesus said. So I want to get into some things this morning. Uh, um, and so uh, silence in the enemy is when the church rises up and starts to fulfill the commission that Christ has given it. Every church. Uh, uh, we're only part of the smaller part of the bigger church that goes around, but we're, we're just, we still are a part. And it doesn't matter how big or how small or whatever the size of the church is. The church that God is in the middle of. Okay, let me, let me say something. Uh, we get into this thing with numbers. God used three men in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. They were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, Peter, James, and John. And the Bible says specifically those three guys had the entire city of Jerusalem turned upside down. They went in there and just, I mean, they, had a, they, they caused a ruckus. <laughs> they went in there and, uh, and basically all they did was preach the gospel. It wasn't like they were holding signs. They weren't picketing. No, they went in and they preached the gospel. They laid hands on the sick. The sick were recovering and miracles were happening. And that upset the entire uh, religious system of Jerusalem. But they had the entire city. Just three guys. Just three guys. What Jesus said, he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, my spirit is in the midst of those gathered. I, I picked up a scripture. I want you to, if you're turning your Bible this morning, the first scripture I'm going to go to. I've got several. I hope I can get as much as I can in. Um, but I got, I've got several uh, things to give you, and I'll probably be giving them, if I don't get it all this morning, I'll get it all over a course of time, uh, a different scriptures and a different revelation. But Romans chapter 15, 19, this is an impacting scripture. Uh, Paul writes this in Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 19. He said this, he made this statement, in mighty signs and wonders, that's how it starts off, in mighty signs and wonders, 
by the power of the Spirit of God. So, uh, he says, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I'm going to say it again. So, he said, in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, I have fully preached the gospel. Can we take from that that if signs and wonders are not brought forth, if they're not anticipated upon, that we have not fully preached the gospel? We have preached some of the gospel. If we've given a message or give a, a, a testimony or we, we get people saved, that's part of the gospel. Gospel's good news. But Paul said, because he said, the, the, in mighty signs and wonders, that's what he said, mighty signs and wonders, and the, uh, by the power of the Spirit of God, not just signs and wonders, but by the power of the Spirit of God, he says, I have fully preached the gospel. Amen. So this, this scripture this morning challenged me. Now, we've had signs and wonders and stuff in this church, in case you're wondering. We believe in miracles, and we believe in signs and wonders, and, and we've had it happen. We've had miraculous healings over 31 years here. I can't even remember. I mean, we'd be here all afternoon just talking about uh, the different things that God did in this little bitty church, in this little bitty town on a small island, <laughs> you know. But the fact is, not only that, but I've had the privilege from right from this, from Key West, to get on, go to the airport and fly around the world in different places and five different continents, and I've seen miracles there. So miracles are not out of the question by any means, but it's always by the spirit of the power of God. He says it fully preached. So, so I'm, I'm in the idea that God wants, how many believe that God wants his gospel fully preached? Yes. Not just halfway, fully preached. How many would agree he wants it fully preached? Yeah. And we're, we're seeking God, and we're going to ask him for, for, for signs and wonders and power. So when, um, like last week, when a prayer request came to me, uh, uh, fell in the hospital, uh, this week he's out of the hospital. Uh, so it, 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 it might be something else. We'll get something else. We'll keep praying and keep praying. This is what the Lord is going to So I'm going to talk about some of the things. Is this okay? Yes. Two things mentioned in the Bible. Jesus mentioned them over and over again. But Luke chapter 9 and verse 1 uh, he then called his 12 disciples together and gave them, and this is what it says, it says he gave them power and authority over demons and cured diseases. So Jesus caught his 12 disciples, how many remember the story? He gets the 12 disciples together, he lays his hands on them, he there's a, there's a, calls them together and gave them the power and authority. So there's two things, they have power and authority. I want to talk about this morning the difference between those two things, and there's a difference between the power and the difference between authority. Uh, but, but, he, he, but power and authority over demons and curing diseases. So authority has something to do with demons, and a power has something to do with curing, Amen. as Jesus puts it. Amen? Yes, he said also in Luke 10, 19, one of my favorite scriptures, this is one of my recreational verses. <laughs> when you, you, know, you feel, you have recreational verses, we can just read for the fun of it. Okay, fine, I can see you. Okay, you're indulging me now. Praise the Lord. Anyway, behold, he says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Matthew chapter 22, verse 19, or 29, you just write this down if you want to. Jesus answered and sent them, you are mistaken you, to not, not knowing the scriptures. This is what he told the Pharisees, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. So the two things go together, knowing the scriptures, what the scriptures say, and, and, and the power of God. What they were trying, but the, the context of this verse was uh, the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, and like they normally did, did and uh, basically they were saying, you know, about the 
afterlife and different things like this, and they were they were talking to him um, about what you know do you, is it legal to pay taxes as Caesar? You know all these little di different things like that. And of course Jesus answered them all. But he said the, he says he says uh, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures. Now he's talking to a Pharisee who memorized books of the Bible. He said, memorizes one thing, knowing him something else, having the revelation for him. But he says he says he says you you do. Uh, um, are mistaken by not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Knowing the scriptures and the power of God go hand in hand. So I, I mentioned it. I said there's a difference between power and authority. Uh, now this is what I noticed that as I read through the scriptures. I noticed that, <clears throat> that uh, uh, Paul also writes this in Romans 8.11. He says, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. How many of you ever read that? I usually say it this way. I said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So let me take the resurrection to give you a demonstration of power. It took the power of God, not the authority. It took the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead. Because he said that same spirit is in us, okay, that raised Jesus from the dead. Well, how could this happen? Well, how many know if the devil gets authority, where does he get his authority from? Has anybody ever, ever studied that? Because authority is different. Authority has to do with, uh, uh, well, let me tell you, give you the word. The word uh, power, what it talks about in the Greek is the word dudamis, which means miraculous power. And it's almost universal, the Old New Testament, same thing. But the word authority means right dominion and jurisdiction. When Jesus died on the cross, he was put into the tomb. At the time of death, he was out of the jurisdiction of Adam's sin. Because Adam, the, the, the authority that God had given Adam was for here. He said, in other words, God, he's told, he says, you be the authority over the earth here, and I'm the authority in heaven, and so on and so forth. Well, then when he was tempted of the devil, he gave that authority to Satan. So Satan only has the authority that he stole from Adam, which is basically the authority right here. When a person dies, guess what? At that point of death, they are no longer under the authority of this world. Adams or devils or whatever you want to say, under, under authority. So for Jesus to rise up from the dead, or for anybody for that matter, it isn't the authority of God that come upon him, but the power of God. Amen. Because now, being dead, being underneath or away from the authority that's here on earth, there's no natural means that they can even recollect. Dead is dead. God comes back, but with the power of God can raise even the body from the dead. Isn't it amazing when Jesus rose from the dead that he was able to ascend and defy the laws of gravity? <laughs> he just floated up to heaven, right? I mean, we read this stuff, we think, well, well how did he do that? He was no longer bound to the authority that was here because a higher authority takes his place. And when we believe God, uh, believe uh, in Jesus through Christ, we get the authority from Christ, which is from heaven. Let me, get, let me, let me talk, uh, share some other things with you. Uh, if we talk about the will of God, we're talking about, uh, uh, we're talking about what God says, his will be done in the earth as in heaven. I'm going to pray to the Lord's Prayer. Let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So there's a connection. What happened? From the time of Jesus' crucifixion to the resurrection, there, there, there is now... Uh, the gap has been removed from heaven and earth through the believer. Now, out there, we still live in a fallen world. I mean, we still believe in for healing for sickness and disease and it, because basically it's a fallen world from the time of Adam. Amen? And, and, and the, the there's, there's, there's uh, uh, 
physical things that have authority and certain things like this. But with Jesus, he said, my authority is higher than that authority there. But what healing, when it comes to miraculous healing. Now, I was, I was, in, I was in Africa um, years ago. This was years ago ministering. And a woman came up into our healing line. Bill and I were, were, were ministering and, and came up, we, we came across two by two like this. And I took a group and he took a group. And as people came up, they were coming out of the bush. They were coming out of everywhere. And we were laying hands on people for different things. I remember this one woman came, came and she had cataracts so bad that her eye lenses were white. I mean, she couldn't see hardly anything. So I asked her, I said, can you see anything? And um, so she said, she says, no. She says, I can see shadows. She says, but at night I can hardly see anything. She says, it's just all dark. I'm blind. And she had somebody leading her around. So I asked Bill, I said, Bill, come over here. Come here. I said, I says, I says we're going to pray for this woman. But look, I said, look at her eyes. I said, do you see what I see? And he says, yeah, they'll just cover right over. I said, let's pray together. In the name of Jesus, sight return. And all of a sudden you could see a clearing coming back into her eyes. And so, so I said, I prayed again. I said, in the name of Jesus, I said, be done. And what was happening? Well, it wasn't the authority of God. We didn't cast out a devil. It was the power of God came upon this woman. And by the time they got done, she could see. And, and she said, the, the shadows were gone. She said, and, and it's not clearer, clearer. She said, it was still a little blurry, but she said, I can see that it, that is, that is taking effect in, in, in clearing. I praise God. I mean, the, the next night we were, we were, <laughs> we had more people. I mean, it was just, it was just a sea of people that wanted to be uh, prayed for. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so, so the difference, I guess, if in the, in the simplest narrow down, uh, basically the authority is used when we're pushing out the devil or, or, or causing deliverance, but the power of God comes in with a miraculous to cause miracles to happen. You see a miracle uh, more times than not, it's by the power of God. That help anybody this morning? Okay, so get the difference though, because Jesus has given us both. Uh, the Great Commission I just mentioned in Matthew chapter 28, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. This is what Jesus said. He said, there, he said go therefore and make disciples. Now he didn't mention power, did he? He mentioned authority. He says, make disciples. What does that mean? That means go out and preach the gospel, and the people that are listening are going to change and transform their hearts. They're going to become disciples. Disciple is just a biblical word that means student. And they're going to become a learned one. After Christ, they're going to be followers of Christ. So what happens is he said, I give you authority to do that. I don't give you the power to do that because there's nothing to create. But he said, I give you the authority. So that tells me that the Satan's authority, the fallen part of this world, is what keeps us from the things of God, keeps us from Jesus. He said, but when you preach, he said, you take that authority from heaven and the authority overrules that. And if they use their free will towards that, they take on salvation. That's how we all got here. <laughs> but basically, that's what it is. To help anybody. So there's a time to use authority. There's a time to use power. If somebody comes up to me and they want healing, uh, unless God shows me a demonic spirit or something like that, I just pray for the power of God to come upon them, healing and the miraculous uh, to take place. Are we okay so far? Okay, that was my introduction. <laughs> it's, been that, it's been one of those weeks. I mean, God has just been dumping things and dumping things. But uh, anyway... But uh, I, I want to, I shared that to come back around. I want to I come back around. And uh, I, well, let me, let me just mention this one thing before I go on to the next thing. In Romans chapter 8 and verse, verse 11, how many know 
uh, miracles reside in the power of God. Uh, uh, deliverance resides in the, in, in the authority of God. To deliver somebody takes the authority of God. I'll put all that there. But how many know we've been given, basically we have been given a mandate for miracles. And that's what I want to get to this morning in the church. The church has been given. Jesus said, well, uh, let me give you the commission again. Just a great commission. There's more scriptures than that. Oh, a ton of more than that. But Jesus said this in, in Mark chapter 16. In verse 17, he said, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak in new tongues. He said, They take up the servant. If they drink any deadly thing and not hurt them, he said, They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's not a suggestion. That is a commission. We call it the Great Commission. This is what we do. So that taking Matthew and Mark and putting them together, we make disciples, that's believers, okay, by preaching the gospel. Then we go by the power of God, we, or, or the, uh, we go ahead and we, we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is a mandate given to us by God. Now, here's what happens uh, generally. How many know pastors and congregation like we all have gifts, certain gifts that we're strong, things that we're stronger in? How many, how many have some kind of gift that they're, that, they're, that they're better in one thing than they are in another thing? And what happens is pastors are the same way. Uh, when I was going into the ministry, they said, basically, people lay hands. It wasn't what I call myself. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, basically, what other people say, they say, well, you have a strong prophetic gift. And um, I said, did you say pathetic or prophetic? <laughs> you know? They said, no, prophetic. And so if I'm... If I'm not careful, what a lot, do what a lot of other people do is I'll, re, I'll just minister on that one gift. But we're not called to use our strengths only and put the other part of the gospel aside, are we? But that's a tendency we have. So what happens in a lot of our churches, because a pastor might have a strong gift in teaching, so he wants to sit down and we're going to teach. But I don't know about this miracle stuff. God don't use me for miracles. Yes, he's commissioned all of us for these things. And so we cannot lean on the one strength that we have and forsake the other commission. And this is what I want to do. So, well, you know, the evangelist, he's the one that generally has a miracle ministry. No, 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 no. Men compartmentalize this, not God. Amen? God brings the anointings and do different things and so on and so forth. So this is what, what, uh, what he says. So uh, under the commission, this has, been some, this has been an assignment for the church. We cannot do one thing, preach the gospel, and not do the other things, lay hands on the sick, can we? No, we don't get to pick and choose. Now, you may not be any good at it. I may not be any good at it for that matter. But it still does not give us the authority to cancel a commission. Does it? No one has the authority to cancel a commission of Christ. If Jesus has said it, then basically we have to make time in our services and time for, for that thing to get done. And of course, we've been doing that. And it was, it was a head scratcher for a while because I wasn't used to the live stream and all this other stuff. How we do this live stream, we don't have the you know, real... Uh, people where you can lay on the hands and so on and so forth because of the, of the pandemic. And so, so, but I said, no, I said, we still have to, we still have to get this in our services. So I go on live stream and God was calling out different things and people were, 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 were emailing us and texting us and saying, well, yeah, this happened and this happened. And then they were, they were saying, uh, saying, pray for this because I got, I got a friend here that's in a hospital. I got a friend over here. And, and they started to, so we still getting the thing done. It was a little bit different for me because I'm kind of an old timer, you know, as far as laying hands and praying for people and seeing it right before your eyes. But, but we got it done. 
we made room for that in the middle of our services, regardless of our services were live stream or whatever, we made room for that because this is part of the commission. And just because you don't feel you're any good, or that's not a strong point. Uh, let's face it, in the body of Christ, there's strong points. Some people have stronger points than others you know, in giftings that God has given, but it doesn't cancel out the assignment. We do not have the authority to cancel the assignment of God. Amen. Are we here this morning? Yes. Okay. Are we pretty good? All right. Praise the Lord. So with that said, uh, we agree in this church. And I, I've, I've talked to my leadership several times. This is, this is what we believe. This is what we're, uh, not only what we believe, but this is what Jesus said. Whether you believe it or not, he still said it. Amen. Amen. And, and so I want to get into some things this morning. I want to kind of come in uh, from a different angle with this. But how many has ever read Matthew chapter 7? Now, in criticism of what I just said, these are the scriptures that a lot of them, a lot of the critics come up with. And I want to, I want to clear that up this morning. Would that be good? Yes, okay, so, so let, let, let's get that down. Well, the first one would be in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Let me start with 21. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 is, is the, usually the <laughs> scriptures that people email me or whatever. But anyway, the, these are the, uh, usually the critics. Let's go ahead and read it uh, in Matthew, starting with verse 20. 21. He says, not, Jesus said this, he said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Hmm. Okay. Let's take that aside. Uh, and and then he goes on to say in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we not prophesied in your name and cast out devils in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare, Jesus is saying this, then I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, that's the scripture you want to hear when you're praying for somebody. <laughs> he said, many wonders, you prophesied, you cast out devils in my name, but I'll say in that day, depart from me, you work. Let's, let's take those as two groups of people. Okay, so let's start with the first group first. It says, uh, but he, uh, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. God's will in its broadest sense, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, in its broadest sense, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. So we have to determine what is in heaven and what is on earth that's not in heaven. Amen. So let me ask, let's start off with that. Sickness and disease. Is you going to find sickness and disease in heaven? But you find it here. Okay, but God's will says his will be on earth as it is in heaven. So if it's on earth as it is in heaven, sickness and disease must go while it's here. Now, we're always going to be bombarded with it. But the fact is, is we have, God has given us, uh, Lord, your will. Are you here? All right, wait a minute. But sometimes, isn't it God's will that we get sick? He's trying to teach us something. You won't find that in the scriptures. What you'll find is a teaching agent is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in all truths. That's a teaching agent that God has sent, not sickness and disease. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 28, you read the whole chapter, it talks about uh, the curse of the law. Blessings and cursings, the first 14 verses are, curse, are blessings, and the rest of the chapters talk about curse of the law. Then Galatians 3.13, you flip to there, it says, Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, that, that the blessings of Abraham might fall upon the Gentile, that's us. Hmm, 
<laughs> so if we're blessed and the curses are off us, but it's through Christ we come back to Jesus for our healing. We come back to Jesus for the things that come against us uh, and so on and so forth. Amen. You okay? Yes, okay, some of you are looking at me like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, just rewind the, the live stream and, and, and say it again. But anyway, so he says, he says but... Uh, not everyone will say unto me, Lord, Lord, will say unto me, uh, uh, will enter the kingdom, it says, Lord, Lord, into the kingdom of heaven. So to call Jesus Lord must have something to do with a demonstration of our obedience. Would you agree on that? To be able to say, Jesus, you are my Lord, then I must be obedient in what he tells me to do, because this is what he says, well, the ones that do the will of my Father. Uh, hang on to that, because i got another scripture that's really going to blow your mind when that when it talks about the will of the Father. So the will of the Father is, is, is performing whatever we do here in the church, what is in heaven. What's legal in heaven is legal here in the church. Amen. Amen. If, I, if I can say it that way. Then he goes on to this other group. This other group is interesting. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 through 23, he says, he says, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we prophesied in your name? Have we cast out devils in your name and, and done many wonder, uh, wonderful works in your name? And I will declare unto them, You never knew me. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. It's a group of people that though they cast out devils, they can do everything that the Bible says to do, they never knew him. They never had the personal relationship. They only took and manipulated what they could. And Jesus said, how many know, there, how, many know how important it is to know Jesus? Amen. What if I was telling you there's one more thing that's more important than knowing Jesus? There is one more thing that's more important in our life than knowing Jesus, and that's him knowing you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. He says, I never knew you. Were the works that they were doing illegal works? No, because he laid them out in the commission. Jesus isn't schizophrenic. <laughs> okay. He was not saying, he said, but they did the wonderful works to mostly draw attention to themselves, okay, instead of for the glory of God, the glory of themselves. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. In other words, I never had a relationship with you guys. Yeah, you did the works. You went out and did that part. But the most important part you should have remembered is going back to me and having that relationship with me, doing it when I say, where I say, how I say, and so on and so forth. Very important to have that relationship with Christ. I cannot magnify it enough in this, in this particular text that you need to have a relationship with God, not just a hearsay. We'll say, how many's ever heard of I, I believe in Jesus. Good. So does the devil. So does the devil. What does that make you? So how many of you know that, that, that you, you can, you, we can find our identity, we cannot find our identity from apart from knowing Jesus. So in finding our identity of who we are, we find it through Christ and having that relationship with him. You okay this morning? Okay, praise the Lord. You thinking? All right. You all right, right? Okay, should I go on? Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, let, me, let me ease up a little bit, give you 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures this morning, so if you can't listen, I'll just go ahead and jot them down. 1 Corinthians, I'll look what Paul says here, he says in verse 8, about people knowing, knowing God. He says, but, though, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him, capital H. If anyone 
but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. So if you want to know if you know God or not, or if God knows you, the Bible says if you love him, then he knows who you are. So that tells me again that this second group here, they might have done all the wonderful works, but he didn't know them, so they must have not loved God. I'm, get, I'm, I'm trying to read the crowd this morning. I'm getting all kinds of... I look. This is a tough read this morning here. Right. Praise the Lord. You okay? Take a breath. It's good. It's good. We're not singling anybody else. I mean, we're reading scripture here, right? Okay. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, this is the, usually the second... The second I'm going to get... This is, this is funny. I'm going to give you... This is usually the second one I get thrown in my face because I believe in the supernatural. I believe in healing. I believe in miracles. This is the second one I get thrown in my face. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. Let me take that verse first. But Matthew chapter, well, they putting it up behind me? No, they're just they're still on Corinthians. Okay. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, it says, But he who answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation, this is Jesus saying this now, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh a sign. And no sign shall be given you, uh, given to you, except the sign of Jonah, uh, prophet Jonah. Now, why would Jesus say it's an adulterous in an evil and adulterous generation that seeks a sign. What does he mean by that? Hmm. Well, let me take the word sign that's in the Greek and tell you what it means. It's an indication, a token, or a wonder. Let's start with there. But let's see where this verse came from. So from, from that's verse 39. Let's go back up. In contrast to what Jesus spoke, let's put, the, let's put the verse back into the context of where it came from. Matthew chapter 12, verses nine, verse 9 said this, Now he departed from there and went to the, into the synagogues, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And he asked him, saying, uh, he, asked, he asked saying, he said, he said, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now who's, who's there in presence is the Pharisees, the ones that first came up and, and asked for the sign. But anyway, uh, the Pharisees. He says, so, so is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That's a question Jesus asked the religious group. Is it lawful? Uh, and it said that they might accuse him. So then he said to them, he said, what man is amongst you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? So in other words, if you've got a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you're going to put the work forth to get the sheep and free the sheep. And Jesus then makes this statement in verse 12. He says, of how much more value than it is a man than a sheep? How much more value is it a man? How much more value is the unborn child in the womb of a woman than a baby whale? There's a, a value to both, but the highest value, Jesus was saying, is always on man. Jesus died to save men, not save the whales. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with saving both, but the fact is, there, one goes over there. He said, is it lawful to, to, to do this on the Sabbath? He said, how much more value does this man have? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It is lawful. And in verse 13, 
He said, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand and received the, and, and, and it was restored as whole as the other one. Amen. Here was a man who couldn't do anything because he only had one hand. He couldn't, his, his life was limited in what he could do. Jesus restored that hand. Now he's got two hands. He freed up the man right in front of the religious leaders who saw that man every day. But to them, it was more important to keep the Sabbath in which they interpreted the Sabbath, not Jesus, but how they interpreted the Sabbath, than to reach out and restore that life. Yes, Same as religion today. It's more, it's, 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 it's more legal or, or it's more rightful to go ahead and just, and just you know, uh, obey the law than to reach out and help somebody and get somebody restored. That's the difference. That's the difference. Now, let me, let me read down um, real, real fast for the sake of time. He went up from there, 13, 14, he healed the withered hand. Uh, Matthew 5, uh, 12, 15, I'm still in Matthew 12, by the way. Matthew 15 says, he healed the multitude. A multi great multitude followed him, and he healed them all. Okay, he healed the blind, the mute, and the demon-possessed. Matthew uh, uh, 12, 22. So, we, so he did both. He said, the, understand something about the purpose of, our, of, of miracles was to restore the person back to God's original intent. Amen. That was it. Now, wait a minute. Now we come down to 39 again. Let's see. He healed the withered hand. He healed the multitude. He healed the blind and demon-possessed. Now the religious leader, show us a sign. Really? Wow. That's the context. Okay, we just, uh, in the beginning of the chapter, is talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, is it legal? He healed with a hand. He healed this, he healed this, he healed this, he healed this. He cast out demons, cast out demons. And then the Pharisees come to show us a sign. Honestly? <laughs> Must have something to do, because then Jesus, he, he, said, he said, it's an evil and perverse generation that says, seeketh a sign. In other words, you had more concern with something you can manipulate, control, than somebody's life who could be changed. And, and, and so you are, you are more concerned about your theology than you were about the power of God and healing an individual. They had higher cause for seeing. So, well, he said, no, no signs can be given you except the prophet Jonah. He goes on to say, if you read this in, in his context, he says, and no sign will be given you but prophet Jonah. What was the prophet Jonah? What was he referring to? Three days and three nights. By the way, the son of man will be three days and three nights in the, in the grave. In other words, they're going to see the Messiah come forth. Instead of challenging the Messiah, they should have saw the Messiah. But they didn't. They challenged him. Amen? It said, it said just as, 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 as God had delivered Jonah, so you live. And, these, and he said this, and he also said the queen of the south, which he talking about the queen of Sheba, traveled all this distance to see the wisdom of Solomon is what he goes on to tell them. He said, in the judgment, in other words, these people sitting in heaven, in the judgment will come and condemn you and say, listen, we traveled all this to see the wisdom of God, hear the wisdom of God, and there is not one greater than Jonah standing in front of you. And you're questioning. That was basically Jesus' message. Amen. Are we here? Yeah. <laughs> Those are generally the two that people use, but the fact is both of them are take, taken out of context. And no, what he's talking about, he's putting it back in. The context of what Jesus was saying, he said, no, healing and people come first. There's a sign that people want to see what time, what, what, what hour do we live in? I hear this in the, in the church today. 
uh, we hear this, I use a phraseology, that we're in the last days. As far as eschatology in time, nothing wrong with that, but the fact is, is when we get hung up on eschatology and it prevents us from doing anything else, we become no greater than the Pharisees. Eschatology is part of the church, it's part of the teaching, is a book of Revelation is part of a teaching that we, we're blessed by giving that teaching. But, this, but, as, but remember I said, in the beginning I said, we can't take one of our stronger gifts and always rely upon that and let the other ones fall by the wayside. But we are mandated by God for miracles, but that's not the only mandate. We're also mandated to tell the truth. We're also mandated to point out what day we live in. Well, see, the Pharisees wanted Jesus to point out what day they live in, a narrative that they can control because they're used to controlling the whole narrative. And Jesus said, no. He said, the only sign and wonder you're going to get the healings and all the miracles weren't a sign to them because they were looking for the sign for, of something else. And they were trying to look for something they control, can control. Amen. And Jesus said, no sign will be given you. That's when he said a wicked and perverse generation. It wasn't wicked and perverse to heal because he did the healing. <laughs> there was no sin in him. So all the things that, so, so, so these, when these scriptures are taken out of context, they mean something different than what they really mean. Amen. Are we here this morning? Yes. Praise the Lord. Can the work of God be shut down by a people? On a whole uh, global instance, never in a million years. In a local setting, absolutely. Matter of fact, it happened to Jesus in Nazareth. Can you imagine Jesus coming to your town? He was shut down and they even wanted to throw him off a cliff. What was Jesus' main part? Well, uh, there's a couple of scriptures in Mark. Was one of them. I brought the, pulled this out of Luke, and I just started studying it this week. And so, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and his, as it was his custom, Luke chapter 4. And he went out into the synagogue on the day of Sabbath. He stood up and read. This is what they do. Matter of fact, they would stand up in the synagogue, the one who was going to read the scripture. That would be their message. Uh, but a guy would hand, get the scroll. It was a scroll. They said book here, but it's really scroll. They get the scroll, they hand it to another guy. Another guy hands it to another guy. That guy hands it to the, would hand it to Jesus. That would be the custom. And they didn't, then they had a pointer. They didn't touch it. They had a pointer. And they would point out and they would read from this scripture. So that's what they did. Isn't it amazing? They brought out the book of Isaiah. <laughs> if you want to know about the Messiah, there is no greater prophet to read than the book of Isaiah. I mean, he's got detail. It was like right there at the foot of the cross. He was right there. Jesus. I mean, the book of Isaiah really has it down. So they give him the book of Isaiah of all books to read. And so Jesus picks this thing up and he said, and he, and he was handed the book or the scroll uh, of the prophet Isaiah. It was actually Isaiah 61 verses one and two. And I'll get, it's interesting. I'll give you something into that. Jesus sits there. He's in his hometown. They heard about the miracles of Capernaum and Bethsaida, all the different ones all around the Galilee. He's doing miracles. Now he comes to Nazareth. You got the picture? Okay, you got the setting. Jesus picks up, he opens up the scroll, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to send, to, 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 and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. There's one thing wrong with that. Jesus left something out. Y'all come back next Sunday and I'll tell you what it is. No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding you. He left something. It's verse 2. Now, he left it out for a reason. I'll share it. Okay, verse 2, where he said, he said, he says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, he ends it. 
But if you read the rest of verse 2, the part from that goes, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort those who mourn. Why did he leave that part out? Because Jesus' first coming took care of exactly what he wrote, or what was there, but the, the, the second part of 2, where it picks up, hasn't happened yet until his second coming. Amen. So he, he, he only read that which was pertinent for his first coming. So he, put, you know, he, he, hand, he, he gave back the attendant, uh, and he sat down. And, oh, no, he, uh, yeah, he, he says, uh, he closed the book, he gave back uh, to the attendant, sat down, and all eyes were on him in the synagogue, were fixed on him to see what he was going to see next, probably. In verse 21, he said, he began to say unto them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. We would not have a problem with anything except the fact that he said today. Now, I'm not Jesus, obviously, but if you came to the church, it'd be something like similar to this, the best way I can relate to it. And I said to you, I said, oh, you come and you need a healing today? Today, you will get your healing. It's fulfilled. It's done. Who are you? What? what, what? I never... What was wrong with that statement? Now, if I said, if I, if I left off the word today, I says, God is going to heal you. Okay, praise the Lord. We're going to get healed. But the fact that Jesus put it into the, into the presence right now, they got it all upset. Amen? He said, at first, in verse 22, so all... Uh, bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which he proceeded out of his mouth. That's got to be the shortest sermon ever. <laughs> but they thought it was so gracious until, until, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this not Joseph's son? Wait a minute. Is not his mothers and brothers here with us? Is this not the, this is the Jesus, oh yeah, the carpenter's brat. Oh yeah, we know you. And as soon as they begin to relate to Jesus on such a familiar level, it seemed to change the things that he said. It didn't change anything he said. But, this, but the, the faith in what he said seemed to change because they had some kind of a, a, a problem. Uh, because Oh, we know who Jesus is. So they made this statement. It said, it said, he said, you shall surely uh, say to me, Jesus read their minds, he said, you should surely say to me, physician, heal thyself, whatever you've heard done in Capernaum, also done in your country. And then he said, surely I say unto you, a prophet is not accepted in his own country. Except in his own country. He said, in other words, what they had a problem, that, that phrase, physician, heal thyself, we would say it today like, okay, you first. You a big talker? Go ahead, you first. And that was the attitude that was, of course, physician, heal thyself. In other words, you heard what I did in Capernaum. In other words, how come you did it in Capernaum? How come you did it in Bethsaida? How come you did it in all these other places around the Sea of Galilee? And now you come to us? And they wanted to throw him off a cliff. I stood on that cliff, by the way. And it's no small cliff. Cliff, we're looking at a thousand foot down easy into the Jezreel Valley. Isn't it amazing that he wanted to cast Jesus into the Jezreel Valley? The Jezreel Valley is synonymous in the Bible for Armageddon. They wanted to end him right there. Of course, Jesus walked through the crowd and walked away. And this is what he said. Mark, Mark brings this out in Mark chapter 6. He said, now, he could do no mighty works there except lay hands on a few sick folk and heal them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. It said he could not do mighty works. Did Jesus go there to do mighty works? 
but it says he couldn't do any because of their unbelief. I think the last thing we want Jesus to do is marvel at our unbelief. I think of all the things Jesus can marvel about us, that'd be the worst. Marvel about our unbelief. So basically they begin to shut down everything that Jesus wanted to say and do simply because they, 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 they want to rid him, get, get out of my city, get out of my life, get out of this. Amen? Yes. I, not, I don't believe it's not too uncommon what we do today with, with Christ. We want a, a, a made-to-order gospel. I want this, I want you to do this, this, and this, but leave this alone. I want this healed, but never mind that, Jesus. Look, I'll take care of that. And what we do, we come to Jesus with our prayer laundry list, I usually call it. And we have a list that, Lord, we want you to do this. Remember what he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know you're not. It's, it's, the, it's the list of things that we can use the name of Jesus for to get what we need other than submitting ourselves to him, revealing him, and letting the love of God bring, it into, bring the gifting to us. Now you're seeing it? Praise the Lord can't get away from it. You can't get it out of Scripture. You can never get away from it. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been mandated for miracles, has been mandated for truth, has been mandated to preach the gospel, has been mandated to love one another. That's a mandate. That's not a suggestion, by the way. That's if somebody favorable to you, they like it. If they don't favorable, you just leave them alone. And that's not a mandate. Jesus even said, took it one step further, said even love your neighbors as yourself and love your enemies. Enemies? Well, a neighbor, eh, you know, I'm in a pretty good neighborhood. But enemies? I got to love my enemies? No way. Give me that laundry list. We crossed that one off. I didn't put that on there. <laughs> Are we here this morning? <laughs> Did we get anything out of the word this morning? I'm out of time. I'm not, I'm not out of preach, but I'm out of time this morning. But I just want to, I, I, I shared with my leadership this morning in, in the church, and I started thinking over some of the miracles that God has done in my, in my family's life and, and different things like that. And I just, we're going to, we, this has always been part of our church. Uh, and it's not just about miracles, um, making disciples, all these things. Around the world, we support missionaries around the world. Why? Because this is what God has mandated this isn't, this isn't a choice that Pastor Kevin made of his church. No, I, I submitted myself to the Lord, and you're seeing where he brought me. <laughs> and um, I, that, I didn't ask for this assignment, but nor do I have the authority to change it. I'm sorry some men, men of God feel they have the authority to change their assignment. I don't feel I do. I feel God has this for a purpose, and I can't look at anything around where we live or any, any of the darkness in our community and say, well, my goodness, this would not be a place I don't have church. I don't get to decide. I don't get to decide. And I tell you what, if you use your, your life the same way, uh, maybe you'll see the miracles that God wants to do in, do, do in your life. Praise, Praise the Lord. Yeah. But what he doesn't want you to be yeah. is the ones that receive the miracles, ones that do the miracles, perform the miracles, cast out devils, but never know him. That's one thing he doesn't want us to be. Amen? So can I say this in closing for the second or third time? <laughs> can I say this, that our relationship, our awareness of God's presence has to be, uh, uh, has to be of the utmost importance in this time and season. Amen. Is that, I don't think it's too far of a stretch. I, I think that fits in very well with the scriptures because if he knows us, all these other things can be added. But understand what they are. 
okay? You can sit here this morning and listen to this sermon and say, okay, the pastor preached the sermon. Because you heard the sermon doesn't make you a preacher. Matter of fact, because I can preach doesn't make me a preacher. It's over the time and over the things that we've we stood against and, and stood for. That's what makes the preacher. In the midst of people loving on you and, 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 and honoring you, in the same time, other people sitting there cursing you and spitting on you. That's what makes a minister. Are you going to fold because people say so? Or are you going to follow the Lord what he said to do? That question right there, how we serve God, does he know you? It's important to know Christ, but more important than that, does he know you? Amen. Amen. Now, if you're waiting for some kind of religious act so you can prove that, there is none. Because basically it's your heart. It's not a religious act. If religion had anything for you, you'd be better off than you are today. But they don't. I think most of us in this church, at least I have, and my wife have brought up in religion and has done nothing for us. Matter of fact, my departing comment when I was old enough to leave the house and my mother drug me to the, to, to the church uh, um, and different things like that, my departing comment, I'm never going to church again. Mark my words, I'm done with this church. I'm going to live my own life. I'm an adult. I'm free. You see how it worked out? <laughs> now I thank my mother for dragging me to church because now I can see the difference between a, a, a cold religion. Okay, that was anti-Semitic, by the way. Well, that's another story. A cold religion to one now. But isn't it amazing? I, I, I was brought up in a, in a religious system uh, that was anti-Semitic, but we've done all kinds of work for Israel. I love, I, I love the Jewish people. Isn't it amazing how God has flip-flopped and flipped things around? Good, get over it. Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> Anti-Semitism speaks to Jesus also. <clears throat> hmm. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Do what you will with your neighbor in that instance, but I wouldn't be anti-Semitic towards Jesus. And it's also, it's also a degrading and it's also a, a denial of our heritage. It is our heritage. Every book of this Bible is written by a Jew. Now, people will argue, scholars, all right, what about the book of Luke? Yeah, what about the book of Luke? Yeah, it's not a Jewish name. But I dare you to read the entire book of Luke and tell me that man didn't know Judaism. A Gentile wouldn't know all that. <laughs> so I say the entire book from cover to cover was a Jewish book written by Jewish people. So anyway, that's my public service announcement for the <laughs> sermon. Praise the Lord. Anyway, uh, we shouldn't be, we, we shouldn't be uh, anti-Semitic or, or racist or anything else about anybody. Right. Amen. Amen. Uh, the church is welcome to all people, all colors, all races, all backgrounds. And I've gone to the world to prove that. I spend... I spent um, a month and a half in Africa, West Africa. Left my wife here and I went to West Africa. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.